This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Created live on Fireside. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's cousin Diana, coming to you live from the Fireside app. When does frugal go too far? Today, joining us to talk cheap, it's the co-host of the Frugal Friends podcast. Huh, it's almost like we strategically pick topics based on the guests. Welcome, Jen Smith. From the Afford Anything podcast, it's Paula Pant. And from this here podcast, it's Jeff Bezos. No, just kidding. He's busy bathing in champagne-soaked money now that he's retired from Amazon. So it's just OG. And now a guy who loves himself a good unbranded beer, Joe Salcihai. Do you remember the old days, Diana? Well, you probably don't remember this. When the unbranded beer was like, it was a white label and it just said beer in big, big black letters. Well, given that I'm not much of a beer drinker, I don't think I'd remember those days. They never existed for me, Joe. Probably not. It's like, even if there was a label, I wouldn't know what it was. Bring on the the Trader Joe's wine. What is it? Two buck Chuck? That's, isn't it up to, with inflation, does it become three buck Chuck? (laughs) I don't don't know. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Friday on the Stacky Benjamin Show. As Diana said earlier, I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And welcoming everybody here, hanging out with us on the Fireside app as we make a live recording of the Stacky Benjamin Show. And uh, our friend Doug, my mom's neighbor, has the day off today. He's actually golfing, which is incredibly scary. We're recording this in a day we normally don't record. He's like, I got to go golfing. We're like, fantastic. We can upgrade and we get Diana instead. So glad Diana is here, but let's meet the rest of the crew who's here with us. First of all, this guy sitting right across the card table from me, Mr. OG is here. What's shaking, Bacon? How are you, man? Uh, back. Oh, people are clapping. That's fun. Uh, good. Back from vacation. We were in Florida for a week and then up in northern Michigan for a couple weeks and did the cannonball run. I think that is say, brutal. But, but we did it all in one day on the dot. Listen to this. When we pulled out of the driveway in Houghton Lake, we had the, uh, everybody had to guess what time we were going to arrive before we put in the GPS. We had guesses of 2 a.m., uh, 115, 
Caroline said midnight. I said 11.15 on the money. And we pulled in the garage 11.15. Yeah, yeah, that's an ugly, ugly drive. What time did you start from Michigan to drive all the way back here? It was exactly 18 hours. 18 hours. Holy cow. And a woman who never wants to travel 18 hours to go anywhere. I don't, that's a horrible transition. Paula Pants here from Afford Anything. I would love to travel 18 hours to go places. He was yesterday or the day before uh, in a car. You were on a train. I was, yes. I was on an Amtrak from Boston to New York City was the one that I took yesterday. Oh, nice. Two days ago. And? Great trip. We're talking about frugal. I'll tell you, I was looking at Amtrak tickets from Texarkana to uh, Dallas. The bad news is it was going to take six hours to drive. If I, I could drive it in two and a half uh, and it would take six hours to get there. The good news is it's like 35 bucks, Paula. Yeah. Yeah. And it's way more comfortable than flying. You know, you can get yes. up, you can move around. Uh, there's, you've got more space. I mean, it's... it. Traveling by train is, it takes longer, but it's fantastic. I know. I love it. Somebody else does the driving and I get everything done. Speaking of somebody who has had things flying all around her house lately because she's in St. Petersburg, Florida, where I believe a little uh, tropical storm hurricane called Elsa just went through. Jen Smith from Frugal Friends joins us. Yes. Live from the eye of Hurricane Elsa. Uh, It's uh, trees are down. Fences are down. But spirits are high. Well, that's so. that's that is that is. Uh, was it scary? No, we've just been trained to say all that. Um, it's <laughs> we're fine. It's it was rainy all night, and then we woke up and uh, cleaned up the trees, and that was it. Done. Yeah. You have a fantastic podcast, the Frugal Friends podcast. But I don't want to talk about that. You have a big event coming up that we love helping you promote. Tell everybody what's going on. Absolutely. Starting Monday, July 19th, we are having our first virtual event called the Future of Frugal. And so we have invited over 20 really awesome speakers. Most of them have podcasts. Most of them have been on Stacking Benjamins. Um, And we're going to talk about what the future of frugality looks like. So no more of this cheap stuff, the clip and coupons, the rebate apps, none of that. We're talking about buying less, buying sustainably, being good stewards of our time, our resources, our natural resources. And so uh, we are super excited. And the whole event is free. Um, It's four days and you can watch the day's talks whenever you like. They're not scheduled out. So watch them whenever throughout the day. And uh, yeah, frugallivingsummit.com to get a free ticket. That's awesome. We'll have a link to it on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. We're so happy you're back with us here, Jen. We've got Jen. We've got Paula Pant. We got OG. We got Diana. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Let's start talking frugal, people.
Well, today's piece comes to us from a blog called The Tex-Mex Mom. This one's new to me, but uh, Paula, you read some blogs. Have you ever seen this blog before? I have not seen this blog before, but you know, when I looked at it, I had this feeling like it reminds me so much of the blogs that uh, I used to read a lot back, you know, a few years ago. I was going to say, I really love it. Yeah. Yeah, it has that like just that that vibe of a mom writing about her family, writing about saving money, um, you know, writing from her own personal experience. Those were the blogs that I used to read when I first was getting started, when I was first yeah. learning what blogs were. Yeah, um, that that was my entry into this world. These, so I definitely had some nostalgia reading this. Yeah, these very personal experiences. The, the the blogger's name is Rebecca, and she wrote this piece five times when being frugal goes too far. And so, Jen, you're the guest of honor. We're going to start with you, and I'm just going to take these five in order, guys. We, we'll start off with number one. Rebecca says. Jen, Jen, when the quality is even cheaper than the cheap price. So too far? You know, I I will push back on this one a little. I get what she's saying. Like when you buy cheap things just for the sake of them having the lowest price. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely cheap. But the example she gives is that sometimes for some pieces of clothing, it does make sense for her to buy them new, kind of like jeans for her active child. For me, I really prefer to buy secondhand, not just because of the cost, but because it keeps new clothes out of the fast fashion ecosystem. So for me, it would be worth maybe spending the same amount, but getting more secondhand jeans for my child versus just one pair of new jeans and maybe going through those jeans faster. Yes, but you can find really good quality stuff that is even brand new at some of these like kids consignment stores or pop-up events or even thrift stores. Mine is still just a toddler right now. So maybe we go through clothes too quickly for me to realize this. That's what I'm thinking. When my kids were were born, uh, we got a bunch of new clothes, and man, they were they were out of those initial onesies in a hurry, like bam, gone. Yeah, we haven't really bought anything new. We've gotten new things as gifts, but predominantly, we try and get everything used. I mean, in general, um, and we've seen really great quality come out of thrift stores and especially in nicer areas. That does make a difference where you go um, because nicer areas, they give away things before they've been torn to shreds. So um, you can strategically plan it to get quality uh, for a really cheap price. Oh, gee, you're on the other side of this. I know. I think I've known you long enough to know that uh, uh, you would prefer to buy something that's going to just last a long time, which means maybe paying more. I I was just stuck on, I was thinking about you, Joe, and um, being a part of the fast fashion ecosystem. I, I'm totally I'm look at what like, I'm, that is I'm, such a people that see is such fast a fashion. They, How did she know? Think totally. um, <laughs> Everything I'm wearing came from hot topic. It sure <laughs> did. Yep. In 1997. Well, uh, for me, I, I think that on the, on the clothing thing in particular, we use the word cheap when we mean the word in, inexpensive. And then we also use the word cheap when we mean low quality. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to find good quality stuff that's at a low price. And I think that makes a ton of sense. My kids go to a school that requires uniforms and polo shirts and and shorts, basically. But um, I don't think we've bought new uniform clothes for the kids 
since maybe like the first year that they were there. And I've got a freshman in high school and a seventh grader and now a kindergartner because every year and it's happening actually this week, they have a, you know, like a turn in party. Basically you go to school, you turn in all your stuff and the things that are still of reasonable quality, uh, uh, you set out and you can sell them, you know, if you want or give them away or whatever. And so that's what we do. We take all of our stuff that we, that, that the kids have grown out of from the last year and put them on the rack and then kind of go back through the rack. And there's occasionally some things that we have to get new. Um, but to the uniform stuff, we, we, uh, we buy, we buy secondhand because it's so expensive to buy at the sure. place and it's the same stuff. It's a polo shirt, you know, and whatever. So, yeah. um, why not buy a secondhand? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Paul, it seems to me that, uh, you've got this mathematical equation. Speaking of knowing people, you must be thinking about there's this equation in your head that you work out where frugal becomes cheap when it comes to the cheap price. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I, it's not sophisticated enough to be an equation, but I do, um, I, I do agree that my tendencies towards buying things that are durable, high quality, that will last for a long time. It seems to me that the time, the effort, the mental energy um, required to constantly replace things is, you know, makes it not worth it. So if you can get fewer things and have them last longer, um, that's a win. Do you find, by the way, that spending time then at a thrift store, like Jen was saying, looking for those quality merchandise, that that's a good ROI? No, personally, I don't. Not for things like clothes. If it's some some higher end item, like maybe a piece of furniture, something with, um, you know, a a above a $500 price tag Mm. or an appliance, you know, sure. Yeah, I'll absolutely look for used uh, appliances. But for for a low ticket item, like an article of clothing, no. With with that stuff, Paula, you know, furniture or appliances, you're not going out to, you know, to to if you're thinking about redecorating your living room, that's a thought that goes on for a long time, <laughs> several weeks, months, you know, maybe years even. And and if you have it in the back of your mind and you're thinking, oh, if I could find the right thing, you know, I might be interested. And you happen to, you know, happen upon a, a garage sale or something, you know, or an estate sale uh, or in a facility that has, you know, gently used uh, uh, things, now you've got it in your mind and you can say, this is a great, this is a great value. You know, mm-hmm. I can, I can get the piece that I'm, I've been looking for for the last six months or the last year. And I don't have to go to the department store and pay the, the, the retail price for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of with you on the clothing, you know, if I need a pair of shorts, I'm going to go get a pair of shorts. Yeah. That's so funny because I would personally buy an appliance new, uh, because I've had worse experiences with used like kitchen gadgets and I would, and I buy my clothes used really easily. So I guess that's like the beauty of frugality is you really can pick and choose what works for you to be frugal. You don't have to be frugal in like every single way. Oh yeah. Like, uh, what's that, what's that famous line, uh, spend lavishly on the things that matter and go cheap on things that don't something like that. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, I've got, I've got yeah, no clue. No, I mean, yeah, you're right, Joe. I mean, it's, you're butchering it. And I would also by trying to, uh, try, but yeah, spend, spend a whole bunch of money on the things that you care about and spend as little as possible on, on the things that are commodities. Let's, let's do what Fireside's made to do and open up this conversation. Stephanie's joining us. Stephanie, when it comes to 
when it comes to cheap, uh, where is that line when the quality is even cheaper than the cheap price? Joe, thank you for having me to the stage. You know what's fascinating to me about this conversation? And Jen, I think you probably echoed something that I was going to mention. I have a, a good friend of mine that is very frugal. And I tend to spend more, but on fewer pieces, because I find that they can last for an incredibly long time. And I will tell you, I did a study with her. And I said, for the next 12 months, <clears throat> I want you to spend as you normally do. And for the next 12 months, I'm going to spend as I normally do. And at the end of the year around Christmas, I'm going to ask you, I'll buy you a bottle of wine and we're going to sit down and go through receipts, whether that's groceries and where you shopped, it's clothing and where you got it, et cetera. Do you know that I spent less at the end of the year than she did? And it blew her away. Wow. And she was horrified. And I said, I think that so much of what the idea of frugality is, and on the flip side, spending maybe too much is I think fundamentally about our relationship with money to begin with. I don't know. Would you agree? I totally would agree. But what that kind of reminds me of, Stephanie, and, and I'm going to ask Jen from Frugal Friends this question. Jen, it seems to me that what Stephanie's saying, you know, a lot of this stuff at the at the dollar store, as an example, is really overpriced at a dollar. Yeah. I mean, Stephanie, you hit the nail on the head. Like it, it really comes down to your relationship with money. If you can identify the things that you value and you spend without guilt on those and completely eliminate other categories of spending because you've identified, I don't really value these. I don't really need these. So you can spend whatever you want. And, and yeah, frugality kind of has this like connotation for um, buying a lot of things at a low price. And it does tend to end up uh, with that scenario, that the person that maybe bought quality but, but spent more or looked on the outside like they were spending more may have actually spent less. And that was a big reason we wanted to, the, the future Frugal Summit is talking about trying to change that idea about frugality um, yeah. to be more like values-based. But this is a really interesting topic, and I, um, I'm so grateful you brought it here. Thank you all for being here with us today. Well, Stephanie, before you go, I'm going to kick off yeah. the second. I'm going to have you kick off your thoughts on the second piece of this blog article that we're discussing. And the second one that this, this woman, Rebecca, writes is, frugal goes too far when you waste a lot of valuable time. She says, I make an effort to save money on groceries, and one thing I do every week is check the store ads to see what's on sale. However, when the sales I like are at three different apartment stores, I often have to choose one of the stores to shop at simply because I don't have time for them all. So what do you think about that? Frugal versus cheap when it comes to your time? Well, I think that valuable time, we make assumptions and we're placing a judgment call on that person's time. And I can't do that. Perhaps this is somebody whose end value of the money that is saved as a result of the time she or he has spent was time well spent. And actually that valuable time translated into the exact result she or he wanted, which made it actually valuable time spent versus valuable time wasted. Value, indeed, even valuing time is also a financial equation. Does that make sense? Well, that totally makes sense. And Paula, this sounds like something that uh, you think about. It absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, I, I mean, I have nothing to add other than ta-da. I agree. Yeah, ta-da. <laughs> Way to go, <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, 
on that note, thank you all for having me. This is a fantastic conversation. And Joe, thank you for inviting me up. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I'll I'll, I'll hang around the audience and uh, enjoy. Thank you so much. Thanks a ton for hanging out with us, Stephanie. We got Chris here with us. Chris, you've got some thoughts on designer clothing. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, Again, thanks so much for inviting me to the stage. This is great. This is what a fun time. Yeah, it is really hard for me to pay full price on designer clothing. You know, I... I'm in the Midwest and it was super hot this spring and this summer. And I, every season I kind of cycle through. I thought you were going to say, Chris, Chris, not to cut you up, but I thought you were going to say you live in the Midwest and you look super hot in those designer jeans, but you were going a different, (laughs) different way. I was, I was good call. Um, but yeah, so I've cycled through like a few pairs of cargo shorts. You know, uh, I'm a dad, a few pairs of cargo shorts every year, right? Every season literally for like 20 years. Like I've had shorts that are 20 years old and this year, you know, and I've, I've mended pockets, right. I've sewed them up. I've used them. And this is the thing is I went to Goodwill. I bought uh, again, another three pair of cargo short, you know, three different pairs for like $4 a piece. And they're going to last me another 10 years or more. Right. So it's just one of those things where it, it was quick. It was easy and cheap. And it'll last me a long time. So that's just my two cents. Hang it takes a lot. Well, yeah. hang out with us here for just a second, Chris, because I want to bring sure. Diana into this conversation. Uh, 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 Diana, a lot of people may not know that you were in the corporate world, right? And and I think in the corporate world, what Chris is talking about may not make sense as much because I remember I used to buy these really cheap shoes, right? And then and then I got rid of them and I upgraded to some good shoes. And I can't tell you the number of people that told me after I'd figured it out, wow, you're not wearing those cheap ass shoes anymore, Joe. Well, first of all, those people are rude. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it's funny because from my history in consumer products, I honestly think I have such a hard time buying the more expensive stuff because they're all coming from the same factories in China, honestly. Um, So I, I think that's kind of my stance on it. But yeah, you can find really good stuff at Goodwill stores. I know I remember one time, I found a brand new pair of jeans, just my size. They were, they still had the original tag on them and they were like a hundred dollars and I got them for 10. Wow. So, you know, sometimes you really have to hunt for that stuff. So that's why I appreciated the point about time because I think about some of the time that I spent when I was very, very frugal when I was getting out of debt. And I'm not sure that some of those purchases I made were really worth the time that it took to find them. Um, but it, it, I think it's frugality is one of those things that you kind of have to experiment with and see like, what is your level of frugality and hunting for, um, lower cost options? What, what level is comfortable for you? And that takes some experimentation. But, but also Chris, obviously yeah. with those, with those shorts, as an example, mm-hmm. if, if, if you were a realtor, let's say showing people houses all day, I think part of that job demands that you look a certain way, right? So oh, it, when it yeah. comes to that stuff, would you then buy more designer clothes? Yep. Um, actually great, great point. So I remember I was at a work event, like a corporate function. I was actually speaking at a corporate function and I had a really nice, like Bill Blast shirt on. Right. And it was one of the first times I wore it. It was really, it was a, uh, kind of a, it was like a purpley color. Right. So people were like complimenting me on, they, seriously, they were complimenting me on my shirt. And one, uh, one woman came up and said, yeah, you look really nice today. I like that shirt. And I said, Thank you. This is my uh, Goodwill special. It only cost me five dollars, 
And a buddy of mine I work with, he pulled me aside and said, bro, don't tell people that. And I'm like, what? Why? I was proud of the fact that I bought a $5 shirt and it looked nice. <laughs> that's, that's that's awesome though but but not and, and i love the applause for people that are that are listening <laughs> to this on the feed the sound effects here on fireside are pretty amazing but i guess in that story um mm-hmm. i think i'd want to i'd want people to think that i spent a lot of money on that no i i am not i guess Maybe that's just, again, the way I the way yeah. it was brought up. You know, I, I absolutely take pride in the fact when I can save money. You know, I'm, I'm, not, af- I'm not afraid or I'm not embarrassed about that fact. Chris, thanks for joining us here on stage. Yeah, thank I, you. I know that, uh, I know that uh, Kate, you had requested to come on stage. Here she is, and we'll, we'll get your take as well. Kate, thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you all. Um, I'm not sure if this was touched on earlier or not, but... Um, you know, there's, for me, there's a difference between frugality and consumption, right? So if you're being frugal and being conscious of what you're buying versus, you know, kind of buying into the more is better in the end, and there's been, I think, you know, some studies on this, you're, you're still spending a lot of money if you're just out there to consume, even if it's at a lower price. And I think this also goes back to something Diana and Joe, you were talking about, which is there is, you know, investing in quality pieces. If we're talking about clothing, apparel, furniture, things like that, which, you know, it's good to be frugal, but if it's not going to last you longer than a year, are you really saving any money in the long term versus investing in quality pieces? And quality and price, as Diana pointed out, are not the same thing whatsoever. You know, uh, <laughs> what Diana said about being uh, manufactured in the same factory, yeah. whether it's $100 or, or $10, isn't, it's completely true. So I think for me, it's frugal is one thing, but overconsumption is another. And I'm just curious to know everyone's, everyone's kind of thoughts on that or experiences with that. Yeah. Paula, I want to bring you in on this because I think that this idea of maybe minimalism or Kate, like utility, right? Uh, uh, Utility, the item, not just buying it because it's cheap, but buying it because you actually need it. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes an obsession with frugality can become an, and it, that obsession with consumerism, the, the obsession with buying. And sure, you're buying for less, but you're still buying. There's still the dopamine rush of getting something new, of, of acquisition. So I agree uh, that, you know, scoring something for 70% off means that you're still pay. it's still 30% on. Right? right. It's still money out of your pocket. Exactly. And so not buying anything at all, being a minimalist and only getting the few things that uh, – you absolutely need, as you said, utility. That's the way to do it. And and I guess the end result of that is that is that then your focus, I if this is executed perfectly, it would mean that then your focus would have to turn to production rather than consumption. Because other than the things that you're consuming routinely, like um, you know, food or shaving cream, uh, other than those things, you've got everything you need. You don't need more. And so there's nothing, almost nothing left to buy. It's time to turn your focus to what can you make rather than what can you buy. 
Oh, gee, when you work on financial plans with people, you see this, uh, there are things people want and there are things that people need. But to Kate's point, where do you help people draw the line? I think that uh, our job, and I guess just comes from my perspective of trying to make things simple for me, is how I think about how to help other people. And 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 from my perspective, I think about it like, if you can solve all of your financial goals already, right? If you, if you are on track for the things that are important to you financially, then, then you have permission to do anything else that you want to do. You know, if you have some, some constraints, which frankly, all of us do, then, then you have to start prioritizing what's more important. Is it more important to, you know, have a few extra years of early retirement or is it more important to buy the lake house? you know, or I, I think it's beyond, you know, what, what kind of jeans do we buy or something like that? I'm thinking kind of those big, gigantic, yeah. you know, life altering types of decisions where you're at the fork in the road and you have to decide which way to go. There's, you know, nothing wrong with the the, the plan of I'm going to save as much as I possibly can and I'm going to eat, eat ramen noodles from 22 to 32 so that I can be completely retired at 33. It's perfectly fine. Some people don't agree with that. Some people don't like that model. And then there's also people who are like, the heck with this. I'm going to spend money like crazy. I'll save what I can. And if I got to work till 70, so be it. That's perfectly fine too. You just have to do what's right for you and for your family. And if you're on the path that you want to be on, then then I don't think there's any shame or or anything in whatever decision you make from a money standpoint, whether it's, you know... $200 jeans or $20 jeans, frankly. Hey, we're going to have more of this discussion on frugality here in just a second, but I think I think it is time, Diana, for us to maybe do a trivia segment. What do you think? You ready? Oh, I was born ready, Joe. All right. Let's we've got some uh people that we're going to uh, have help us with trivia. And for those of you who are new to our trivia challenge, we have a challenge that's been going on all year long between our three year-long contributors, uh, my co-host OG, who's here, and Paula, who is here, and Len Penzo, who has the week off. And Jen, you're going to be playing on behalf of Len Penzo. Sound good? Sounds great. I think I've I've played on behalf of everyone now. <laughs> now that I've got Len, well, you you've you've done, done the trifecta. You've you've yeah, I've been going for for all three, and I finally got the last token. Here's the score so far this year. OG is leading with ten. OG last week when you weren't here, the guests have been doing great in your honor, dude. They have been rocking for you. That's so, my secret. I'm not going to be around at all the rest of the year. <laughs> you just don't show up and things go well. Uh, Len has eight and Paula has seven. Paula, you're in your same place here, sneaking in the back. I, uh, you know, this is the, the ranking that I'm most comfortable with. It's, the, it's where I tend to spend most of the year. But don't worry. The end of the year, I always pull ahead. That's, which, by the way, has never happened. Just for people that have not heard the show, you have not pulled ahead at the end of the year yet. Um, I've looked like I might have. She's like, look at the time. Right. <laughs> well, Paula, we are going to to uh, pair you with uh, somebody hanging out here with us in on Fireside. And we're going to pair you with Kate. So, Kate, uh, you're going to be on Team Paula. I know you can do it. Kate, when you're not stacking Benjamins, what are you doing? 
I am a content creator and writer in the space of sustainability and climate change. So everything from writing my own content to ghostwriting to different video and audio formats, everything climate change related. Awesome. Cool. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Uh, I would normally, but my sites are currently being relaunched. Oh, no. <laughs> so right. no, but uh, katebagby.com or worldthreadstraveler.com. Just give it a couple weeks at this point. <laughs> Deal. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you could be here with us. And uh, where are you located? Just outside of Boston. Awesome. You are uh, just up there. Paula, you were just in Boston, right? Uh, yes, I was just. I was actually uh, in Cape Cod. So nice. I spent 4th of July in Cape Cod, which is beautiful highly recommend fantastic and we will pair uh uh chris we're gonna pair you with our guest jen chris when you're not stacking benjamins what are you doing i'm uh, i'm actually blogging my uh divorced dad's journey to retirement awesome so all yeah talking about spending saving investing all that jazz sweet and the website is heavymetal.money Awesome. And you and I talk on Twitter quite a bit. We do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome. We do. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're with us. So you are team Cr- Chris and Jen. And then uh, uh, OG, you and Gertrude are together. Uh, Gertrude, uh, you're on the winning team, it looks like, so far. Winner, winner. Yep, absolutely. All right. Those are the teams. Everybody ready? Diana, you ready to do this? Let's do it. Here is... Our trivia question. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's cousin, Diana. And did you know that Amazon sold its first book on this date in 1995? They didn't have the one-click ordering yet, so you had to put in all your details. Can you imagine setting up the world's first Amazon account? Hey, there's this bookstore across the country that I've never heard of. Let's give them my credit card information. I know it's hard to imagine a day you wouldn't do that, Gen Z. Believe it or not, there exists a period in time historians call pre-Venmo. It came just after the Mesozoic era. Oh, crack a book. Since we're talking Amazon today, here's a question. How much did Amazon have in sales its first week of operation? I'll be back faster than you can ask Jeff Bezos for a ride into space. So the way we do this, OG, you and Gertrude, because you're the winning team or leading team with 10 points, you guys are guessing first. That first week they were open for business, how much money did they bring in? So what year was this? 1994, 1995, you said? Yep, 95. 95. 95. Okay. So I'm thinking that's probably, that. would that have been the beginning of online shopping? Yes. Okay. So my guess would have to be real low then. <laughs> Because, like Diana said, who wanted to put their credit card in way back then? What are you thinking? Gosh, you know, the frugal side of me says <laughs> like two grand. So the question is, is how much was the total sales for the first week of operations of Amazon? And yeah. um, we, we have to figure out whether or not uh, uh, old Jeffy boy was a good marketer or not. Like nowadays, you know, there's big, there's courses on that stuff, right? Like how to launch your whatever, whatever you're selling online and you can sell millions of it in the day. But I'm with you. I think the number's pretty small. Uh, I like the number 837. That was the number that came to mind. What do you think about that? $837? Dollars. Yeah. A really small number. 
That's very small number. All right. So that 837. 837 locked in from uh, Gertrude and OG, which means, uh, uh, Jen, you and Chris. Chris, uh, what are you guys thinking? My first thought was like, they probably sold one item and then it got returned. So they probably ended up <laughs> negative after, after fees right? or something. <laughs> so this is, so this is, so the number of sales. So different than revenue. So I'm just thinking 1995, I mean, I didn't even have a credit card yet. So, I mean, I would yeah, be afraid of, I don't know, man. I mean, did anyone even know about them? I think I'm going to be even lower. I think the first week, let's do something crazy, Jen, like $39. I'm with you. I'm locked in on that 39 all right, Chris and Jen, 39. And that means, uh, Kate, you and Paula, you've got $39.837. Kate, what are you thinking? Oof, this is tough. There was an interview with this, I think, on Guy Raz's. And I know the company was in the negative for so long, but that's not number of sales, right? That's their revenue. Paula, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, either we take the entire upside, like, guess above guess 838 and take the entire upside which is a large range or we anchor to the two previous guesses and say that it's somewhere in between 39 to 7 i see i think it's like closer to 50 i'm gonna guess it was like family and friends but i don't know (laughs) paula i'm defaulting to you on this one all right well i mean if you think it was like maybe closer to 50 then the thing to guess would be uh, 40. And that gives us, that gives us the top half of the upside from there. Let's do it. Paula, you good with that? All right, let's do it. All right. And, uh, Chris and Jen, that's how the game's played. You guys know, don't have anything above, uh, $39. We would love to tell you what the answer is, but we don't play that way. We're going to be right back. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience my good friend Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. 
Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account. $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to NavyFederal.org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. So starting uh, Gertrude with you in OG, $837. Looks like you guys, Gertrude, are guessing a bajillion dollars based on everybody else. So I'm feeling pretty good about that because I thought it was, you know, yeah, (laughs) I'm feeling pretty good that we got the top half. She still got her 2000. That's right. And then, uh, Chris, you and Jen at $39, but you got lopped off by Kate and Paula. You still feeling pretty good with 39? You know, I still, for some reason, think it's in the negative, but I, <laughs> I don't know why. You, I don't think you can get negative sales even from yeah. returns. So, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you're giving people money to take your books. That's <laughs> it's not a not a great business model, Chris. So Jen's feeling good. Then Chris, you feeling great? Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling good. Yeah, and then and then Kate and Paula, forty bucks. Not feeling great. No. Not gonna lie, <laughs> not feeling great whatsoever. On this one. Well, if you've heard the show, Kate, you will also know that Paula's gut instinct is generally the one she should avoid. So, at least partway through the year. But we'll see. Here we go, Diana. You ready with the answer? All right. All right. Here we go. Let's hear who's gonna take home the bacon. Stackers, I'm Joe's mom's cousin Diana, and let me ask you this How many romance novels does one person need? Looking at Amazon's success, I think Joe's mom and I could create our own online bookstore. Between these, the Harry Potter books, way more encyclopedias than anyone should ever own, and Nancy Drew mystery stories, by the way, that Ned Nickerson's so dreamy, we'll be well on our way to becoming the next Amazon. Before I go bing how to make a best-selling book website, let me get back to today's trivia answer. The question was, how much did Amazon have in sales in its first week operating? Despite being a newly opened business, that didn't stop Jeff Bezos and Amazon from ranking in $12,000 in opening week orders. It looks like the winner is OG and Gertrude. The rich get richer. Wow. So I guess 2000 might have been closer. <laughs> 2000 might have been 12000 dollars. I'm guessing Jen that the negative number was uh maybe slightly wrong. Um yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> I think I've maybe just been in online business for too long. I'm too jaded. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, uh, thanks to you. Thanks, Kate, also for playing. And you know what? For being good sports and being brave and coming up here in front of uh, our studio audience. Uh, Shoot me your email, joe at stackingbenjamins.com. And we'd love to give you some Stacking Benjamin swag. So thanks for joining us for the trivia. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Kate, before you you leave, I want to go back to this uh, blog post that we've been working from. And for people that are uh, new here uh, in the auditorium here on Fireside, we're working.
working through five times being frugal goes too far. And Kate, I want to get your take on this third one, which is when you turn into that customer. And I don't know if Kate, if you've ever been that customer, she says, if you've worked in fast food or retail, you know who that customer is. The one who argues about the price, doesn't understand whether coupon isn't giving them the discount they expected. I remember working in retail and you'd always get this customer. I'm like, you know, Hey, I'm 17. I can't change the price of this Big Mac. Is that where frugal, does frugal go too far there for you, Kate? It does. Um, So I worked in uh, both retail and food services. So I'm very familiar with that customer and the many likes of them. And honestly, what I'm seeing in my work is that younger generations, in particular Gen Z, are actually changing this narrative, uh, particularly around production. Um, in terms of campaigns to provide living wages in the fashion industry to farmers. And so I I do see it happening still, right? It's still pervasive with the older generations. I think we need to understand the context specifically in the United States, Um, you know, post-World War II, um, you know, the kind of bargain mentality and the fact that prices were so low, but then we need to look at inflation and living wages and the price of things right now and understand they haven't kept pace. Um, but I personally am very, very happy to see younger generations actually turning around and ask or asking the employees at these companies, why is the price so low? Yeah. How can you put something on sale for a dollar? How much does that garment worker actually make? So, Yes, there's that customer. I think we are seeing a, a transition away from that, thankfully. Um, but I think, you know, there's always going to be people that just are going to want to bargain. It's it's almost, it's a, it's a fun, you know, game experience. But we also have to understand it's culturally rooted as well, right? So I don't want to keep it limited to the United States in, in certain geographical regions. That's typical business practice and that's how things are done in the United States. It's very different. So, yeah. And and I think about that too. When I was in Southeast Asia, I was told that it was very appropriate to bargain and that's what everybody did. And they expected you to bargain and kind of set the price. But you know, when I'm a 17 year old working at working fast food, like what? I can't can't change the price of that quarter pounder. Like that's not, that's not going to happen. Thanks for hanging out with us, Kate. Paula, Paula, let's talk about that, about bargaining. Kate makes the point that this may be generational. Do you think it's generational? Well, so, so Kate's point specifically was about a generational attention to the living wages of workers and the treatment of workers. Um, And while I, I'm very supportive of Gen Z. I, I also think that this is a discussion that's been going on for a long time. You remember um, Kathy Lee Gifford and the sweatshop controversy. I mean, we've there. Yeah, we you know we saw baby boomers and Gen X and millennials all talk about living wages, um, and sh- so yeah, Gen Z is doing it now, and that's fantastic. You know, unfortunately, people have been generations prior to them have also been addressing these issues with some success, but with also much to go along the way. Yeah, I agree with, I agree with Kate that I feel like, you know, in public, the narrative is changing, but then I look at the profit margins that Walmart and Amazon have and I go, well, maybe we all talk a good game, but we still, we still buy the cheapest stuff possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's hard for the average American consumer to act against their own economic self-interest. 
And particularly when you have people who, um, you know, who are making 30,000 or 40,000 a year, um, and you're asking them to buy a $7 shirt versus a $27 shirt, you know, it's, I, uh, it's a difficult moral conundrum. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I want to get through, we have two more here. Um, And number four is, and Jen, I want to ask you about this one, uh, because as somebody on the panel who's married, uh, when you and your spouse disagree, I would would imagine at your your summit coming up that there's going to be some discussions about how to, how to talk frugal with your spouse. Yeah. And you, you might not guess it, but my husband is a lot more frugal than I am. Really? He, he borders on cheap for sure. Um, and so it is, and we do have like really hard discussions about like, how do I spend on the things that I value when the things that I value are different from the things that you value, because we've both taken the time to identify those things. Um, But just because you're married doesn't mean they're going to be the same things. And so there comes with a lot of grace um, when your spouse spends money, what you seemed to think is frivolously on things that you don't care about. Um, but knowing that you have the same permission in your life. Um, so that's kind of, that. that's a discussion that we have a lot. Um, I, I like to spend money on beverages like coffee and alcohol. And my husband does not like either of those things. So <laughs> we talk about that a lot. You don't like, you don't like alcohol in your coffee? I, I'll drink it in my coffee. She's I'll like, hey, anywhere. let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Say, I got Bailey's in my coffee right now, Joe. Uh, the is, is there a system, though, to solving this? Because she says at the bottom of this piece that it shouldn't be my way or the highway, right? I think anybody knows that if you come to any relationship with a my way or the highway, well, a lot of people will take the highway. But do you, do you have a, a, a strategy or a technique to have these discussions about maybe, hubby, you're being a little too frugal? I think it comes down to knowing yourself and being self-confident, I, I tend to sometimes overthink myself. If, am I being too frivolous? Am I being selfish? Am I expecting too much from him? But I think one of the things frugality can do for you is it really forces you to get creative in self-discovery almost. And the more you know about yourself, the more confident you can be in what you know you want. Uh, so when you are confident in that, you can have the confidence to tell your spouse that, um, and no, you know, if you run on the other end of the spectrum that maybe you, you know, you are vocal and opinionated in no matter what you want, then, then you have to, you know, err towards more of the grace side. But, uh, I think the open communication of whatever that is, is really the most important thing because letting it fester, um, is probably the only wrong decision. The, the last one on this list is when you don't actually need that amazing deal. And, uh, oh gee, I'm wondering, you put these two things together when you and your spouse agree or disagree about the amazing deal, right? Is this where maybe a third party comes in and it's better to maybe have a objective person in the room? Well, I think this just goes back to 
what Paula said earlier, which is if I find something that's 30% off, it's still 70% on, or I'm paraphrasing Paula, whatever, however eloquently you said that earlier. Um, it's still something. And just because it's a, a, a great price doesn't mean you actually need it. I think that's the big difference. And you, you know me, Joe, and I'm perfectly fine with a big long want list. <laughs> Mine is never ending. Every time I see something, I put it on my want list. And I also think that's perfectly fine. You know, I can have this big long want list because I know where it fits in the hierarchy of all the other things from a financial standpoint that, uh, that are important to us and our family. So um, if you start with the approach of if I'm on track for my personal, my family's financial planning goals, and then there's something that I want, so be it. Have fun. Do it. But if you're not on track for those things, that's where, you know, from a stress standpoint, that's where that stress comes in. And and it's better to have somebody who's a little bit opposite in you in your in your relationship, especially with in your relationship with money. Um, to help just kind of keep you on the guardrails. So maybe that's your spouse or a friend or something like that, but uh, somebody to kind of call your bluff, so to speak. We're going to get everybody's takeaways here in just a second. And to kick off the takeaways, Ashley hanging out with us here on Fireside has a great one. She says that this is so much about balance and self-awareness. And I think those are two, definitely two key terms there. Uh, let's have our guest of honor go last. And, uh, and let's start, Diana, with you. What's your takeaway from this discussion? I would say that frugality doesn't, frugality doesn't have to be about deprivation, that there is a way to align it with your values. And I really appreciated some of the points that Jen made. Yeah. Oh, gee. Uh, I think, I think for me, the biggest thing out of, out of uh, frugality is be ultra frugal in the things that are important to you. But I guess kind of the other way, be ultra frugal, on the things that aren't super important to you is what I meant to say. And, and spend like a crazy person on the things that are super important to you. Paula. I would say frugality is nuanced and more is not always better and it should not necessarily apply to all situations and experiences. And Jen, you've got the last word. I I believe frugality is just being a good steward of your resources and you can prioritize those resources in whatever order you like um, as long as it aligns with the income that you are bringing in. But without fail, always value people first because the life in front of you only has so many minutes. And then after that is your time because that is your only non-renewable resource. And beyond that, um, spend without guilt in the things you value, whether it's you want to spend more to be eco-sustainable or you want to buy more expensive pieces for your home, but you are an, a minimalist, or you just enjoy finding a deal. And that's kind of what gives you life. So you get to decide what your frugality looks like, as long as it's not at the expense of people and time. All right. That's going to do it for today, everybody. Uh, we'd love to hear what's going on where you are. OG, big plans this weekend? Uh, yeah. Talk about um, Rich Get Richer uh, going right from vacation into a golf tournament. So, so Oh, that's uh, tough. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know how you do it. You got to you got to go golfing with mom's neighbor, Doug, who's off on a golf course somewhere while we're recording this. I did, but I think he's kind of mad at me because I may have whizzed a three wood by in the general vicinity of his cart and allegedly 
may have felt the breeze as it flew he, by. He, he told me you were a little angry. You were kind of I was, angry uh, man. I'm passionate about the quality of golf that I play. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and when I don't play that, uh, that up to my standards, then, um, then, then I, I get a little frustrated. Um, but anyways, yeah, he, uh, he hasn't talked to me since. So <laughs> Paula, what are you getting passionate about this week on the afford anything show? On the afford anything podcast. Of course, Every other episode, you join me to answer questions that come in from the community. Brilliant. And, oh, they're amazing. We've also recently put out an episode that is a beginner's guide to crypto, um, specifically a beginner's guide to, to Bitcoin, Ethereum, and blockchain technology. And it is, if I may say so myself, probably my f- like the episode that I've, I am most proud of, of the, three, of the more than 330 episodes that I've produced so far. That one wow. is my favorite. Even above the ones I was on. I, I know. I know, right? That's It's saying a lot. You're saying that right to my face, Paula. <laughs> you can hear me. Actually, my friend Mike was uh, listening to that episode. Uh, I, got in the, I got in the car. We were headed to just go grab a drink together. And uh, he had it on. And he said, this is a really good episode. Tell, tell him I said thank you. I... I put a lot of work into that episode, a lot of research, and uh, I'm probably more proud of that episode than, than anything I've ever made so far. Jen Smith, thank you for hanging out. I'm not going to ask you what's going on at the amazing Frugal Friends podcast. Instead, I want to shine a light on what you've gone on next week, because as we said at the top of the show, you've got some, a lot of people joining you, and it's free. Yeah. So if you enjoyed the conversation that we had today, that is essentially what we are having over four days, especially day one, because that's the day we're focused on buying less and uh, buying more sustainably. So we have, gosh, over 20 amazing, amazing people um, from all your favorite personal finance podcasts and even some sustainability and minimalist podcasts too. So frugallivingsummit.com, get your free ticket, free goodie bag. Um, some of our really great sponsors are giving away some uh, discounts and it's going to be really, really fun, really fun. And we're going to have a happy hour every night next week, That's Monday awesome. through Thursday, which I mean, it's going to be, we're just going to be geeking out on frugality. <laughs> nerding out online at frugality. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I read somewhere there's over a thousand people already signed up. Yeah. So we, we passed 1500, probably by the time you're listening to this, we'll be close to 3000. Sure. Right. We are thinking that's, that is fantastic. Well, congratulations on a great event. And by the way, everybody will link to that. We'll link to Paula's crypto episode. Won't link to OG playing golf. Cause you don't want to see that on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Diana, you ready to finish this thing off? Absolutely. Here we go, guys. Diana, what should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our roundtable. Being frugal is certainly better than being cheap, but even being frugal can go too far. Second, how do you know when your frugality has gone too far? How about when you're buying so much on sale that you get invited on that show Hoarders? That's a pretty good sign. But the big lesson, if you're in the car with Joe's mom, don't try playing the pretending to sleep game while she's getting gas. That woman will wake you up. You can't out cheap her. Or can you? 
Got a story of someone who's super cheap? Send it to us at team at stackingbenjamins.com. We may just talk about your cheap story again on another episode. And to learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. If you'd like to follow Jen Smith, then check out the Future of Frugal Summit, which takes place online July 19th to 22nd. Tickets are free and can be found at frugallivingsummit.com. You can hear more from Paula Pam by tuning into the Afford Anything podcast. And I'm Diana Merriam. When I'm not here with you, I'm organizing the very best conference on money. It's called Economy, and it's coming to the University of Cincinnati on November 13th and 14th with a live Stacking Benjamin show the night before. How do you get tickets? Oh, I'll tell you. Head to economyconference.com for tickets and details and come join us. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. What? Seriously? Like, oh God, I did something wrong. <laughs> I, I was very nervous. I was like, I've, oh, I sh- are we I'm done? Looking, and then I'm I remembered. Like, I was like, oh, oh no, I we should have to probably wait just go the full time. <laughs> it's I'm always, feeling great. It's always, more, it's always more fun when you do the after show live, though. It's a little more nerve wracking. Oh, that was stressful. You remember OG doing it on, on, on tour? It was always fun just hanging out on stage, saying nothing. I do. Yeah, I remember people look at us like we're crazy. Yes. Mm. And Paula, you were there in Orlando. Yeah. I was I was just thinking about in Orlando that, you know, you were standing on stage. Every, everyone wanted to clap and you were like making the like <laughs> shh hand gesture like, hey, quiet, <laughs> don't clap. We're going to be really quiet right now. <laughs> so I want to have, I, w- I want to have one last little discussion because I know I have a story about cheap gone too far. Um, but I'm sure you guys have some cheap gone too far stories. Uh, uh, Jen, we'll start with you. You got, uh, know a relative, a friend, somebody that you met that maybe was a little too cheap. You know, I grew up so cheap that I don't even know if I, that my gauge for it is properly metered. (laughs) I feel like going, how cheap are you or how cheap were you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess my childhood, everything always broke and we always got like the cheapest of everything. Um, even if I really wanted the name brand of something like, thankfully we didn't have like influencers or anything growing up. But now looking back, I can see, Oh, like, we we definitely and maybe this is why my aversion to buying used appliances comes from is gosh everything never worked properly i didn't know what like proper working things were until i you know became an adult and bought like name brand items paula you've got to have a cheap story no okay, here's an embarrassing one here's an embarrassing one so i remember when i was in high school I wanted to get a bagel and instead of buying a bagel from the school itself, I like walked like through the cold. It was like winter 
you know, I walked through the cold across the parking lot out over to some store like that was nearby (laughs) um, to get it because it was like 50 cents cheaper. And I came back and me and my big mouth, like I tell a friend that and I say that, but it's like I'm saying it in a stage whisper not realizing that the entire class can hear me. And then I just hear this laugh. Oh, no. I realize the whole class is laughing at me. It's like, are you kidding me? 50 cents. Come on, Paula. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember the entire, I I thought I was telling it just to her. And I just remember the whole class laughing. And I was like, oh. Well, OG, how about you? Well, the words frugal and OG. Yeah. Don't tend to go together. They're not even in the same room. That's a ballpark of anything. But, uh, but I do have, uh, I have something very, uh, you know, very recent, which is kind of interesting. My wife's grand grandfather built the cottage that we visit and he's still alive, which is great. But as a child of the depression and very middle class his entire life, um, Everything has a purpose forever. There is no need to ever throw anything out ever. Listen, I used to go up there when we were uh, uh, married, but before we had kids. And um, one time we got up to the cottage. It was the middle of winter and there was no hot water. So the neighbor who uh, was there full time, we knew him well. And and I went over there in the morning and I said, hey, I think I'm doing all this right. Because we'd shut, you know, you'd shut the cottage down. Right. Right. And. And, and, you know, if you weren't there and, and I said, what am I, what am I doing wrong? You just turn this, you press this button and it should have hot water. And he comes over and looks at says, oh yeah, this thing's dead. So we called around, said, oh, you know, we're adults. We can handle this. So we call around, we get the, like the only water tank, plumber, heater, installer in, you know, the county basically in the middle of the winter on a Saturday. And he says, well, it's, you know, to come out there and do all that's going to be $400. And I said, yeah, okay, come on out. So he comes out, he does it all, installs the whole thing. Boom, works great. So we're pretty proud of ourselves. We call Lissa's dad and uh, and then by proxy, her grandfather hears, uh, finds out about this. And, uh, and he says, what, what happened? We said, well, you know, it was dated 1975. It's now 2005. You know, it worked. It did its thing for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Check the box. Congratulations. You got a wonderfully used uh, water heater. Did I all this supposed to do? He says, what'd you do with the other one? I said, what'd I do with it? I don't know. I mean, the guy took it. He dumped the water out and like in the, in the it's snow and he dragged it out and huffed it up onto his truck. He, and her grandpa was so ticked off. He's like, that's ridiculous. We could have fixed that one. It would have been just fine. We didn't need to have another one. <laughs> and then, and then just this most recent trip, we noticed that the microwave was different. We were talking about used appliances, but I said, what happened? What's the deal with the microwave? Well, grandpa had one in the basement that that's been, that he said, worked just fine. So we got rid of the other one. So we sold the one we had in order to get this one from grandpa's basement. Well, works very fine. Apparently <laughs> doesn't actually mean works. It means lights up. So we had to go buy, we, you know, we had one that worked very fine. Instead, we had the one that was in the basement for 10 years and, Anyways, so. it was like, it was like easy bake oven worked it. Uh, yeah. Well, you can, it's, it was like the, uh, you know, hotel California, you could press any button you wanted and you didn't know if your food was going to get cooked or not. It was yeah. just, sometimes it was 10 seconds. Sometimes it was 10 minutes. It was a surprise. You just had to, you get what you get. 
my my uncle Dick was the most frugal person that that, that I know, and they were going on a on a trip, my two of my aunts and uncles together, my uncle Eddie and Aunt Sue and my uncle Dick and Aunt Ruth. And my my uncle Dick suggests that they stop for lunch on the way north to go look at lighthouses along the Great Lakes. And by the way, he also refused to go in any of the lighthouses because it was like a $3 like lighthouse preservation thing. So he's on a trip to see light. Like I get not spending $3 if you don't care. He is on a trip to go see lighthouses and will not go in the lighthouse because it's three bucks. But but he, he suggests stopping for lunch and said, there's this nice place in Reed City and we can stop there. And my Uncle Eddie, who who hilariously told this story because he, he got back from this trip and said it was just unbelievable, all the stories of Uncle Dick being the cheapest human alive. And said, "Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, let's go to let, let's go stop for lunch." So, Uncle Dick pulls into the restaurant parking lot, and my uncle Eddie and Aunt Sue get out, and they're walking across the the uh, parking lot, and they get to the door and open it up, and my uncle Dick and Aunt Ruth are back at the car with the trunk open, and my uncle Eddie goes, uh, uh, "Are you are you are you coming? Like like what's going on?" He goes, "No no no, you guys go in and eat. We got sandwiches back." We've got so he proposed that they stop. Proposed they stop at a restaurant so my uncle Eddie and Aunt Sue could eat at the restaurant, but he wasn't going to go in. He was going to eat sandwiches out of the back of the car. So that's that is that's mine, Diana. You've got the last one if you've got one. The first thing that came to mind of like embarrassing frugal thing probably when I was in New York City and I had first started like really getting motivated to get out of debt. But right before that, I had moved into, for the first time ever, like my own apartment living alone. Up until that point, I'd always have roommates and most of them like had all the kitchen stuff and like stuff that I didn't have. And so I found myself in a situation where I just discovered that I didn't want to spend money and I wanted to get out of debt, but I needed to like get all this stuff for my kitchen. And so I went a little bit crazy on like just trying to furnish my place and the one thing I got was um, on Craigslist, someone was just like getting rid of a bunch of Tupperware for like $5. Some Someone's used Tupperware. I can't, I can't do it. And I like went and traveled oh. in New York City, which, you know, it takes forever to get anywhere. So talk about like that that time, the value of time when you're being frugal. So I like schlep across the city to go pick up someone's used Tupperware <laughs> And I forget even like how much I got for it. I think it might have been like 10 pieces of Tupperware for $5 or something like that. And um, I just think back on that, like, that's ridiculous. I mean, since I've, you know, moved and needed Tupperware again, I think I bought like a whole 60 piece set for like 25 bucks right. off of Amazon. It was, that was just a level of like, I went too far. The good news is the chicken salad was still in there too. No? Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. 
Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. You'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate. Take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.